Hi, this is Cal Post. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Ooh. Yuck Yucks is still the best place to have your office party or event. Just go to yuckyucks.com for details about our group rates. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy <laughs> I don't think so. What? What? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. With your host, Jake Hirsch. All right, my little yuckamaniacs, what is going on? Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm turning down the volume here of my... Uh, iPad thing I'm a jiggy here because I've got it on. Uh, this is, makes for some very great, great radio. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys being here and tuning in on yet another weekly fine podcast. Now, let me just come up right now and say this. If you were a fan of my old show, the Friday Night Lights podcast with Jake Hirsch, which was a uh, universal hit, it, uh, I had uh, affiliate stations in India, I had stations in the Philippines. I get fan mail from Japan. They want me to do a live at Budokan podcast show. Uh, no, I tease you. But uh, yes, my old show, the Friday Night Lights podcast, which I still do, by the way. And uh, you can catch some of the talent uh, there, as you can over here. Now, once in a while, uh, schedules run crazy. Comedians, you know, talent ends up canceling on you. Uh, you know, there could be a whole huge list of things that could go possibly wrong with a podcast. Sometimes you uh, go ahead and, and make appointments and, uh, and you know, you plan to, you know, show up and do a great interview and, and things happen for whatever reason. So with that being said, a lot of times we have to dig in the old Yucca archive and uh, take a look to see what we have content wise uh, for each week. And this week, is actually a very, uh, very cool archived episode. Archival. Archived? Archival? I'm not sure. Anyway, this week is a very special archived show. Uh, we have today Mr. Aaron Berg, who uh, a lot of people might know that name. He is, uh, was a very successful Canadian comedian and ended up kind of hitting that ceiling in Canada, kind of that ceiling that we talk about all the time. You know, comedians get to a certain point and it's like, hey, I've done the club circuit in Canada. I've, you know, done a few trips outside the U.S. or sorry, outside of Canada, you know, down to the U.S. or Europe or whatever. But I've hit my ceiling. I got to progress to that next step. And I know in the last episode, we talked a lot about that, about what that next step is uh, and what it needs to be in Canada. Uh, but this week, this is an example of somebody who hit that ceiling and just kept on going. Uh, Aaron Berg ended up going to New York. And this is where I interview him at is uh, at his at his place in New York City, and uh, it's just it was a great interview. It was somebody who had a lot of history with Yuck Yucks, and a just a really great uh, witty performer. And uh, it, he's not just a funny guy. He writes books. Uh, he's got a book out. Um, he's you know got stuff on Amazon. I mean, the guy is doing really really well, and the amount of stand up that he's doing in New York City is just unbelievable. Uh, very impressive that he manages to run 
that many uh, appearances over a weekly basis and and still come out breathing. I mean, that's it's a very incredible schedule, uh, hitting as much as you know five six clubs a night to do stand up. Uh, pretty crazy. But the fact that there's that much availability can only speak to the amount of talent that comes out of places like that, places like New York and Los Angeles, where you can do stand-up seven nights a week, and you could probably do more than two or three sets a night and, and do it full-time. And when you live in a place that offers that much opportunity, I mean, think of how much stage time that you can get, how much practice you need. And it's funny, because when I interview people, uh, the big question I love uh, asking is, how long have you been doing this for? How long have you been in the game? And some of the questions, some of the answers, I'm just, I'm floored. I'm absolutely floored because it's never, oh, I've been doing this for a year. I've been doing this for a couple of years. Now, here's what I'm trying to say to you is that you've got a thing called phenoms. And I'm not sure that that necessarily transfers over to the comedy world. But everybody knows that kid who was a superstar in soccer or that guy who was a breakout hockey star. Now, granted, I know that they probably spent a lifetime practicing to get to that point. But a lot of the success happens very, very quickly, especially you see these kids that are in basketball in high school that are playing pro NBA basketball. They skip college. They end up going straight to uh, the NBA or the NFL or whatever. And in the comedy game, you got to pay your dues. It's not like an overnight sensation. I mean, some people just end up getting that, you know, that break. Maybe a viral video, maybe a, you know, something shines a little bit of uh stir up some some excitement and some news around somebody, but very rarely do people just become overnight hits in the comedy world. People spend a long time mastering their craft. And so I always get a kick out of that. I always get a kick out of asking, you know, how long have we do this and you hear those answers and it's like you know, I've had I've interviewed people that have been doing it for 30 years, 20 years. It's crazy. But very admirable. Very admirable. So if you have the opportunity to go out and, and you're doing, you know, six sets a night, I mean, God bless it. That is a lot of work. Anyway, I'm not going to ruin uh, and give you everything that we talked about in the interview. It's a great interview, fascinating one. I hope you guys stick around. And let me tell you guys something right now. October is going to be through the roof. We've got some amazing talent lined up for you. Uh, and you know what? Once in a while, we like to dig in the archives and just see what we can come up with. And uh, Aaron Berg, uh, this interview took place last year. And uh, Aaron talks about his new book and, and all the fun stuff that he's doing out in New York and, and the transition that he made from Canada to New York and, and, and that whole process and how it happened and uh, you know what people like Mark Breslin and Yuck Yucks meant to him so, or means to him. Uh, his trip to Israel, all that stuff. We talk about everything. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, folks. And we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Hoping you take that jump and don't feel the fall. Hoping the water rises, you build a wall. When the crowd screams out, you're screaming your name. Hope if everybody runs, you choose to stay. Hope that you fall in love and it hurts so bad. 
only comedian I know that's up this early in the morning, man. Really? This is uh, noon. I'm usually I've been up at six this week. It was insane. Jesus. What time yeah, do you do crazy. comedy until, man? Like, do you go like late yeah. until the night or what? I usually get home. Well, weekends is later, but then uh, weekdays. I'm usually home by like one, but oh. weekends usually three. Oh, that's not bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, you got a book coming out, though. Yeah, my second book is coming out. It's called American Etiquette, Sailing Upwardly in a Fox News Nation. Uh, first book yesterday was number one in four countries for uh, parody on the Amazon bestseller list. We give it away for free for a couple weeks, so it's up in number one, number five in humor. Wow. And uh, I'm excited for the second book. That's amazing, man. Well, we'll definitely jump into that, but... Take me back to the beginning. You're a Canadian guy, though, right? Yeah, from Toronto originally. What was that like growing up over there? The T-Dot, bro. The T-Dot, man. This is like the center of the Uh, universe. (laughs) Yeah, I love growing up in Toronto. Um, Grew up uh, Jewish household, reform, middle class, slash upper class. Nice. Better than everybody. (laughs) Don't believe that. That's what I'm uh, trying you know, telling people one, right now. One of the chosen people, you know, so it's always, uh, even if you don't follow it, you know that you're one of the special ones. Absolutely. And uh, I grew up there and then moved down to New York four years ago. I started coming down here uh, a couple years before that and then did the full move four years ago. That's amazing. Well, I heard your name through uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Mark Breslin, who I'm sure you Breslini. The Breslini. The Great Breslini. <laughs> I what was interviewing. Oh man, I was. Uh, I did. Like, well, I was doing an interview with him uh, when he was here in Calgary, and I went down to his hotel, and, and we met, and just the nicest guy in the world, man. But um, as we were wrapping up, and we did like about an hour interview or whatever, but we were wrapping up, and uh, I've got I got quite a bit of tattoos, and, and he goes, and, and on my left elbow, I've got a large star of David on my left elbow, uh-huh. and he says is that a Jewish star? And I said, yeah. And he goes, Oh my God. He's like, that's, that's, that's beautiful. He's like, that's huge. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, I grew up, you know, reformed Jew. And, uh, and he says, you know, he goes, you remind me of a guy. Cause I had asked him earlier in the interview, I said, uh, who are some of the comics that you've got your eye on? Who, who do you think are like rising stars? And he said, well, I've got my eye on this Aaron Burr guy. And he said, he's, he's, uh, I think he's going to go, you know, he's, he, this guy's going to, be huge and uh and then he said well he goes it's funny he goes aaron berg's got a, a star of david or, or a, a a jewish tattoo and uh and he goes i think he he grew up kind of reformed too and uh-huh. i said well i said well shit i gotta meet this guy man brother in arms over yeah. there this <laughs> this is wonderful but yeah he said that he's got his eye on you man he said that that you know you're you're definitely one of the guys that uh that and of course you know breslin has you know he's got his eye on comedy for years and years and years he knows he knows stars when he sees them so uh i figured i better hook up with this guy yeah he's uh he's got a very astute observer's eye definitely uh, you know so it's uh yeah, Mark's been uh, very essential in me starting out and uh, helping me get out of Canada. That's the goal for so many people. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you when did you start getting into comedy? What was the trajectory? Like, where 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 were you at the time when all this happened? Um, I it was two thousand one, January twentieth, two thousand one. Technically, the first time I did stand up, I was supposed to do stand up with uh, a friend of mine. 
mm-hmm. who's, uh, his name is Jeff Douglas. He's, uh, he got famous from, uh, the, my name is Joe and I am Canadian commercials. Oh, right. Remember right. those? Yeah. The, uh, so, Molson Canadian ones, I think. Yeah, yeah. Him and I were actors at the time. We'd done a couple plays together and we were like, Hey, I was like, let's do stand up. So we're messing around. He had a guitar and we figured we'd go out and do this kind of duo act, and then uh, he didn't want to do it, so I'm like, I'm still going to go do it. So I went on stage at Spirits uh, Bar and Grill, which is kind of a staple in the Toronto scene, did this mm-hmm. stuff, and, and it went over great. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do more of this. And then it was horrible for a few years, but um, <laughs> that's how I got started. Basically, I, I was going to be an actor, and like I had done, I had a little part in Detroit Rock City, which was a movie that shot in Toronto. Nice. And I was like, oh, this part's going to put me on the map. And I had no idea how bad of an actor I was at the time. <laughs> and uh, and it didn't put me on the map. And then stand-up gave me that thing where it was like, okay, I'm in control of this, and I can call all the shots, which was that, you know, it was a little egotistical at the time, but it was also like, okay, no one's going to tell me what to do or how to do this. I'm just going to do it. Right. Um, so that's what I did. gives you this great freedom. And then you realize, oh, my God, I can go up there and say anything. Yeah, um, which yeah. is a great feeling. So that I, I did that. I grinded it for years and then, um, got in with Yak Yucks and, and did amateur night for three years. And at the time I was so frustrated. I'm like, Oh, these other people moving up ahead of me quicker. But all the guys that had really gone on at the time, like the guys that taught that I watched to learn how to kill were guys like Jeremy Hotz, Jason mm-hmm. Rouse, Russell Peters, and then I heard like Russell, Russell and Jason had both done Amateur Night for three years and that there was no rush, right. uh, so I was one of the last guys, I think, to do like that three-year Amateur Night thing where it's so frustrating working these other jobs to to just support that need to get on stage, and then, uh, you know, you realize it's a 20-year thing at least. It's not a rush thing. You see a lot of guys hit some heat like six years in, and right. They think that they make because they're on like you know a, a music TV kind of thing. Like, uh, and I got a lot of friends that do that too. But there's some guys that get that first thing and they're like, "Ah, oh, this is it. I'm made. I'm not going to work on this anymore." And it's, right. it's usually a mistake. Yeah, I I, I did a, I did my first stand up uh, about a month month ago. And, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, you, yeah, you've got your family and friends and everybody comes out and support you. So you kind of get this, not that it's such a necessarily like a false sense of, uh, of, of man, I'm funny, but, but it div- it definitely gives you a confidence booster if you do, you know, pretty half decent material. But the minute you walk off the stage, you, you know, most guys are like, I think I'm ready for fucking HBO here. I think I'm ready to do my one hour special, but yeah. it's years in the making, man. Like you, you've, you've grinded it out for a long time. Yeah, and I never brought anybody to watch me. I never had anybody. You never invited people down or anything? No, my parents came the first time I headlined Toronto Yuck Yucks, which was probably like 2007. So I'd been doing it for six years. Um, And and I never brought anybody. And whenever there was somebody there I knew, I always felt weird about it. Right. Um, To me, it was always to make you know, a room full of strangers laughs always seem like the, the highest thing. And now I've found a way that when there's people there that I know, I, I still get awkward with it, but I address it. So it becomes part of the show. Like my dad came and watched me last time I was up in Canada. So right. basically just kind of talk to him from the stage. You know, you really break the fourth wall down and just uh, attack him like that. <laughs> That's amazing, man. And, yeah. and, and, and how was that growing up in that 
in that household? I mean, were they supportive? I know Jewish parents are like, listen, man, you either become a doctor, or you become uh, someone in the entertainment business. Hey, I was the worst kid. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm 42, and I'm so hesitant to have children just because of how bad of a kid I was. Like, I was so I was such a slum bucket, and I was just like. Oh, the worst. I can't believe what I told my parents through. Like, I'm super nice to them all the time now and call them almost every day because of, like, I hung out with, you know, I'd like, ah, you know, I had it so good that I was like, yeah, screw this life. I'm rebelling. So I was hanging out with, like, Jamaican and Trinidadian gang members and breaking into cars, and I got a red eye coming home high, which a lot of Jewish kids do, but it was like, it was such a bad kid, and then I got arrested. My parents had to see me come out like shackled with like these ten other guys. who got arrested for breaking into cars, and like, of course, I'm the only white guy amidst this crew of otherwise shackled degenerates at City Hall in Toronto. And just to see my my dad's face, you know, he was a lawyer, like respected in the community, oh, and there's his kid, you know, gentrifying the prison population. So. It was uh, oh, such man. a bad kid. So growing up, I mean, there was always that sense of rebellion. And then luckily, once I got arrested, I had two choices. My parents were like, you either go to military school, it was Robert Land Military Academy, right. or you go to this boarding school. And they sent me to this boarding school, which was gorgeous. It was um, called Rosso Lake College in Muskoka in oh, Canada, where like, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Kurt. Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn had like cottages and uh, I think Martin Short, John Candy. So basically two years in this beautiful place. And then I had this great teacher who was a, like a writer's craft English lit teacher. Right. And, you know, very like Bukowski kind of figure. Uh, And he was like, yeah, it taught me all about rebellion and liberal left-wing thought, which now I've pretty much shunned since I moved to America. Uh, But, uh, it's uh, it was amazing. So that kind of turned me around and made me realize, oh, okay, I could do something creative, which was um, which you know kind of took that that bad boy thing and turned it into a good thing. That's amazing. And and when did you get into like bodybuilding and stuff? It was. Uh, Is that always? I like went a- to university in Canada, University of New Brunswick. I went to, and I was dating this girl. And then she she broke up with me, and her boyfriend before me was like this big juice bag, and I was like, "Get must be what she wants. I'm going to get her back." So I started working out and then shooting roids, and uh, I was so bad at shooting roids, I didn't know how. I used one needle for the first ten shots. So I was using the same needle over and over, like, "Why won't this jam in my ass?" And, uh, so I did that, and then uh, uh, I was bodybuilding, and I was, like, getting big, and then I'm like, okay, let's try and do something with this. What can I do? Because I didn't want to – I worked so many crappy jobs, like restaurants and grocery stores, and then I was like, hey, I can be a bouncer, but I was so short as a bouncer because right. I'm 5'6". Right. And then um, the, the bodybuilding led me into stripping because I was like, hey, if I get more ripped, I could just be a stripper. <laughs> and and that's how that happened. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I could only imagine – what tell tell me about the stripping industry, dude? This is <laughs> I've got a couple of buddies that have gone this route, and uh, it, it, it can either go really, really well, or it can go really, really bad. I don't never met yeah. anybody who's just kind of in the middle. Um, it was you know there, there's that temptation that kind of comes with the sex trade that right. really weird. You no, know, I was I I think that 
I went in as it was more of a lark, you know what I mean? Like I was educated. I knew that I always kind of had a way out. I had other plans. I, I came from a good family. So it wasn't like I'm some drug star heroin addict that's like <laughs> right. shaking my dong to get my next fix and a rusty <laughs> spoon. So it was, um, it, it was different. It was kind of going in with like, okay, let's see what this is like. Like I'd always been kind of attracted to, you know, the seedier parts of society. I, I right. think growing up and having that sense of rebellion, that does that to you where you're like, I want to feel, I want to get in there and get my, my fingernails dirty and see what it's like. So yeah. I went and it's very similar to comedy in some regards that like, there was an amateur night, you know what I mean? Like you couldn't right. just roll in and show up on Saturday and be like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> so was, I, I started on amateur nights and then, uh, and then they're like, okay, you finally, and, and I'll tell you what, I was a horrible stripper. Like I couldn't dance, but I was the funny guy. Right. So like, but yeah, I'd go around like take girls drinks and be like, yeah, you like that? You're like, so silly. <laughs> And then uh, I was so bad. They wanted to fire me so many times, but they said that they kept me around because I improved the morale of the other strippers. <laughs> All these guys that had been like banged by their uncles that were only doing this because they knew no other road. Uh, I would entertain these, oh these incest survivors. Um <laughs> So it was, oh. and I would do like impressions of all the guys that I danced with. So it it, it was that's kind of where I mean I was always a bit funny. I'm trying to put all this together, but it was like that was where I was like, ooh, my comedy's edgy because I do like I do like impressions of all the guys. We had this Russian guy that was like such a homophobe, and he was like, "Do you know in my country you you are faggot we kill you?" Uh, and he was like that kind of guy. And then there was oh, there's so many. There was such latent, like, homophobia, even though it was such a homoerotic business. Like, <laughs> right, right. We were all like, you know, we're all straight, but we'd all be sitting around naked with boners, like, just looking at each other. <laughs> this is what straight dudes do, bro. <laughs> bro, yeah. Because yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy time. And it was, uh, you, know, you know, people saying, like, Magic Mike, what'd you think of it? And I've talked about it with some other comics, and I'm like, you know, it didn't cover the shadiness of it. Right, Which right. was such an essential quality. Like, you know, I'm past the lights and the quote-unquote show business of it, there's the behind-the-scenes. And, you know, there's a lot of drug use, and there's a lot of hurt. Like, the stories at a friend getting a gun pulled on him, like, while he was tying off to go on stage. <laughs> tying off is like, you get hard and then wrap an elastic around it so you can go on stage because <laughs> you can't be up there soft. Oh, my God, man. So he's doing that, and the guy comes in. I guess he bangs someone's girlfriend. The guy comes in. He's like, you, Johnny? And he's holding the gun to his head without giving a beat. I mean, this guy was such a professional. He knew he had to be on stage in three minutes. He doesn't stop beating off. He's got a gun at the back of his head. He's jacking off to get hard. He ropes off. Two of his friends come in, grab this dude, throw him down the stairs, beat the crap out of him. He runs out to, like, shot through the heart. And you're to blame, darling. You give up. A bad name <laughs> without missing a beat. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm fucking dying over here, man. Holy shit, that is the greatest Ooh. story ever. Oh, yeah, it's a good story. This guy just didn't. <laughs> Nothing would get the boner down. Oh, good he Lord. was such a pro. He's still around. <laughs> I talk to him on the phone now once a week. He's uh, <laughs> like fifty something. He's still a bodybuilder. He's in fantastic shape. Oh. He's still stripped. 
which concerns me. I picture him like showing up to bachelorette parties, like, where's the special needs parking? And coming in with a walker and shit. All right, here we go. A little bit of Neil Diamond to warm us up. Who's fans of the jazz singer? Oh, yeah, you like liver spots? Yeah, you do. You do. Oh, you do. Oh, can someone change my colostomy bag before the slow song comes out? Oh, Lord, I've pooped again. I've pooped again. Oh, my God, man. I, I, I'm seriously hoping you've incorporated this into your stand-up at some point. No, I'm just writing it down right now. <laughs> this, is, this is good stuff. Johnny man. getting gun held to his head. I don't like that down. So many comics, man, like when they start experiencing some success, they start headlining, they start, you know, obviously working the clubs, they make a name for themselves. A lot of people take off to the larger markets, albeit New York, Los Angeles, stuff like that. What made you choose New York over Los Angeles? Um, you know, I, New York has so much more stand-up mm-hmm. than L.A. Um, you know, I do, I do 15, 20 sets a week, right. easy. Uh, I'm doing... We're doing a documentary this summer where I'm doing 20 sets in a night, Holy shit. which is breaking the old Guinness record, which was 13, set by Steve Byrne. Wow. Um, so th- there's just that possibility. I mean, on a busy weekend night, I'll do six to eight sets. Uh, wow. And that, in other markets, is a week worth of sets, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And New York City is, uh, I mean, I haven't spent any real time in L.A. I'm sure I would like it because I'm obsessed with body culture, but it's like, New York is such a great city. It, yeah. It's just absolutely... I mean, it's the center of the universe. I don't understand how... You know, unless you live in Ferguson. But, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's an amazing city, and there's so much to do, and creatively, you get so much freedom, and it's not as shaped by industry. And I always feel like once you break in New York, you can go to L.A. anyways. It didn't feel like it worked the other way around. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I don't like to do what everybody else does. So I saw so many people going to L.A. And I was like, eh, I'll go to New York instead. That's interesting, man. And, and what's your experience like being on the other side of, of the border? I read an interview with you where at one point you said, I'm not really politically aware. I'm aware of myself because of my narcissistic pursuits. But yeah. obviously, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm an American. I, I, I grew up, you know, down in the States. And, and, uh, and, and it's been a very interesting thing going across the border to Canada where people are not as passionate, obviously, about politics. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm aware of it. I was saying last night, like, we're watching the stuff in Ferguson and trying to understand why this stuff happened, you know, after two cops got shot, trying to understand why this happened. Right. And there was not a sense of that in Canada, and I think it's because the United States has a history of slavery, and that history can't be erased. And I mean, there's slavery in Canada, but it was on a much more aboriginal level, and it was a a longer time ago. Um, That being said, like, since I've moved here, I've found my leanings have been more towards right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's like because of, you know, the brainwashing where I'm like trying to become an American. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when you feel like you're like, okay, this is such a great country because it offers so many possibilities and only in this country could you go from zero to the top, um, in the sense of show business and, and creativity and stuff, there's, there's a certain pride that comes with that. Sure. Uh, so I feel like, you know, I mean, I watch Fox News. What else is there? Right. What's the MSNBC thing you got there? <laughs> um, so, 
I, I mean, I feel like I've become more, uh, more right wing in terms of several of my beliefs. And, uh, and I do talk about politics now and I do, uh, I do stay aware and I do read the news every day and do watch the news every day. So. How do you uh, find that book yeah. is all politics? What's That's right. That? Yeah. How do you find that response to the crowd? I mean, obviously, when you started out, you're you're doing, you know, a lot of your comedy, a lot of the videos and stuff that are are, are based around your life story about you know getting to the stripping business and 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 bodybuilding, and stuff like that. I mean, to see that transition go more into politics, what's the response been like? Um, the, it, it's under a clever guise. I mean, I do so much crowd work now and right. the set is all jazzy and um, improvisational that it just kind of fits its way in. Right. Uh, so it's not, I'm not battering them over the head with, you know, satirical monologues. It's mm-hmm. just little riffs that'll come in and then the jokes will structure themselves around that. So they don't even know. Right. I mean, the crowd really thinks that the show is about the crowd, which right. is a, it's a nice place to be. So you can sneak in these other little things that you want to say. Like last night I had, uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw, there was a, a beating in in a Brooklyn McDonald's. No. Uh, this girl, I mean, these girls beat the crap out of this other girl, and these people just stood around and taped the thing. Nobody stepped in. And even after the girl was knocked out, these people still stomping on their head. Jesus Christ. And I do a joke now where I say, like, I, I mean, I love black people. And I say, like, not in a group, but, like, individually. <laughs> and, and I'm like, but especially, you know, I, I hang out with many of them. Like, not, not in the McDonald's in Brooklyn. Like, I would not go there. That's not, yeah. It's um, very smooth, yeah. Yeah, it's just fitting those little those little <laughs> snide remarks in that kind of make that statement. Oh my god! And I even find that you know, like when I moved because I, I'm. I'm a Democrat in the States, but even as a, like even more of a left of center in the States, you come to Canada, you're considered a right wing conservative. Some of the, the left wing leanings in, in, you know, in the States. I mean, I come from Texas, right? So it's, it's a little bit more hard nosed justice over there, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a very interesting thing to 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 kind of you know uh, balance out the uh, the political leanings of, of of Canada and the United States. But uh, it seems like you do it really really well down there, man. That's amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 So, uh, with this book, is this something? I, I, I mean, obviously, you're very accomplished. You know, in the writing field, is is acting something that you want to get back into? Yeah, I'm doing uh, I'm doing a class again now, and uh, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to. For lack of a better word, I'm kind of branding myself just as an artist now. Where I'm not going to be pigeonholed. I'm going to work on whatever projects I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it's very diverse. Like I mean, I'm going to write a book a year. I'm going to do stand up every day. Um, you know, I wrote a short. We're going to do this documentary. Whatever acting work comes up, comes up. I did that show, Twenty Four Hour Rental in Canada. Right which was a great show, but all I have to say is we did it in Canada, so nobody <laughs> saw it, and, uh, and you know, we had it, the critics loved it, the Globe and Mail loved it, the Montreal Gazette loved it, and then it's like, it's gone, as quick right. as you can say, 13 episodes, so, That's crazy. Um, you know, I'll see what happens, and, and I'm up for some stuff down here, and I'm, you know, trying to audition whatever I can, and uh, whatever happens, happens. But, I mean, I, I create on my own terms, so I'm right. not dependent on the industry right. anymore. I'm not sitting around begging for a little spoonful. I'm going to make my own work, whether it's uh, approved or not. And, and we live in a time where you don't need the industry's approval to get stuff out there. Definitely. Are you a big guy to go out on the road at all? 
Uh, I don't really do the road that much. My, my one of my goals, like moving here, was like, okay, let's see if I can make road money in the city. Right. And uh, that's that's luckily been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not getting rich, but I mean, I'm making what I would make almost going out on the road, but right. just staying in the city. And I love staying in the city. Um, that being said, I mean, I like going international. I did Japan. We did Israel. Uh, what was going back to the go... homeland like, man? What was that like? It was nice. I mean, I say the most religious experience I had over there, and I joke about it. Like, we went to Jerusalem's phenomenal, but Tel Aviv, the most religious experience I had was a uh, a, a diplomat ate my asshole. <laughs> so that, uh, I said, you know, I was, I was living on kosher diet over there, so I don't know what this woman was thinking. But, uh, oh, it was gross. There's so much steak and just... Uh, Oh, my God, man. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I really felt a connection in Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, they did it, about it. it's called the Universal Language. Mm-hmm. Gal Hecht uh, directed it. I think it aired on CBC, and uh, I'm not sure. It's somewhere online, but Breslin was there, too. Breslin came over. It was me, Breslin, John Paul, Sam Easton, Nikki Payne, uh, Michael Cardis. So the whole bunch of Canadian comics went over to Israel for the first time. It was great. That's amazing, man. And, and, of, and of course, you know, you've performed on the same stage and, and with a lot of huge comics. I mean, I've seen pictures with you and, you know, people like Gaffigan. And, and where do you where do you draw some of that inspiration from? Um, what, working with? How do you yeah, mean? I mean, like, is there anybody out there that you look at and, and, and you, I mean, obviously you've got your own style and, and it's definitely working for you. But are there people out there that really inspire you? Uh, I think earlier years in, like, I'm, I remember, like, Stan Hope used to be a guy that I would be like, oh, this is what I aspire to. I mean, now these people I work with are just people that make me laugh, so I have my favorites, you know, like, um, and Gaffigan, since you bring up the name, such a gracious guy, mm-hmm. um, and he's shooting a TV show, by the way, and I just did a day on it this week, awesome, so it's, man. uh, and he just reached out and was like, hey, do you want to come work on the show? I was like, yeah. Oh, uh, shit. so... Gaffigan's great, and then I have like a handful of people I love watching, but it's like you get to a point where you just want to mind your own business. You don't want to be affected by these other guys. So there's guys that I love, uh, Jessica Person, who is, if you haven't seen her, a fucking monster. Really? Like, she's a monster. She's so funny. Uh, Big J Okerson I work with all the time, oh, and man, I love I watching love him. Yeah. yeah, and we riff back and forth a lot while he's on stage, and I'll just be standing in the crowd, and we've got a nice rapport going. Nick DiPaolo, I think. Oh, man, um, I agree. Absolutely phenomenal now. Who, there's, there's so many. So I haven't se- I still haven't seen Rock, Seinfeld, or Burr live, right. or Jim North. Um, I still haven't seen those guys live. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, but, uh, man. Unbelievable. Well, I'm, I'm making my way around the the, the New York. I, I, I've I've realized that there's a pocket of just amazing comedians to talk to. I've had Liz Mealy on the show. I've had Mark DeMeo. and uh, yeah. just just you guys are just like making some incredible waves down there. And uh, it's just always insightful to talk to people that uh, are, are really pursuing it and, and and hitting it hard. Everybody I talked to in New York, like you said, I mean. I think it was Liz Mealy that was telling me like there's comedy clubs. I mean, you can jump on the subway and be, you know, eight or nine comedy clubs within a matter of 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's the, it's the epicenter of it. And 
you come to New York, when I first came, I was like, oh, I'm going to kill all the time. And then you're like, oh, shit, there's a whole bunch of people that kill all the time. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's not like in Canada, there's this attitude where it's like, oh, I got to be better than the guy that's after me. Right. So that kind of develops. In New York, there is actually a real camaraderie. And I didn't feel that in Canada. And I think part of it was because of, you know, selfish reasons for me wanting to get out of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's probably my own fault, but I never felt that camaraderie in Canada, whereas here you do feel it. And, and, and as far as Canada goes, I mean, a lot of people kind of have the mindset that if I stay in Canada, I might stand out because there's not as much competition. Do you ever feel like that at all? Like, do you feel like your opportunities might be better because you are such a standout in, in a smaller market? Well, no, I dealt with a lot of, I dealt with a lot of labeling in Mm. Canada where people would say you're too dirty. Uh, you can't do televised sets. And, you know, I really had to work against that. Whereas here, I, I don't feel that there is no label. There's just funny, funny. Um, so there, there was a sense of division by a lot of the Canadian industry. Um, and I don't feel that here. Amazing, man. AaronBerg.com is the website. You can catch him on Twitter at AaronBergComedy. Of course, we'll put all the links up. And uh, Hey, man, thanks for making some time for me today. Hey, it's great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. And, uh, and, and anytime that there's a set going on with Aaron Berg in the headline, I, I encourage people to go check him out. He's got some just amazing comedy and, and uh, be on the lookout. And, of course, the new book uh, you got dropping here pretty soon. Um, where yep, can people find it? mid-April. Uh, that'll be, go to Aaronberg.com. We haven't set up a website for the actual book yet, but it'll be on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Kindle, Kobo, iBook, uh, and it's called, uh, American Etiquette Failing Upwardly in a Fox News Nation. Beautiful, man. Thanks again, Aaron. We'll look forward to talking to you again, brother. Great, thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Folks, there you have it. The wonderful interview with Mr. Aaron Berg. Check him out online. Check him out on Twitter. Check out his book, too. Interesting, interesting, interesting read. We don't agree on politics, but uh, I do uh, find his writing very fascinating. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Again, next week we will be uh, having a great brand new episode. On behalf of myself, Jake Hirsch, Mr. Mark Breslin, Executive producer, Kira Williams. And of course, the webmaster, Camille. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Peace out!